Lent is a time of the year where we kind of try to put ourselves in the Bible. And so there are two different periods of 40s in the Scriptures. Well, there's more than that, but the primary 40s. And so the first 40 we see is with the people of Israel. They spend 40 years in the desert, wandering in search of the promised land. The second 40 that we focus on is the 40 days of Jesus as he spends time alone, deserted as well, in preparation. So the idea of Lent is to be prepared, to go through a process that takes us from one location to the next. It's a journey, right? It's a very inward to say journey. <laughs> Have you guys heard that today on uh, commercials, on, uh, on Facebook, the apps, right? Journey is a very inward right now. The idea is that there is something that we're doing, somewhere we're going, it has purpose to it. It has value. So here's my question to you. If this life, if what God is doing in us, even if this month or this season that you're in or things like that, if you are on a journey somewhere, if your entire existence, however many years you're alive, if this is a journey, here's the question. Then what is your destiny? What is your destiny? Meaning, what is your destination? If you are on a journey right now, if you are going somewhere, here's the question. Can you answer this for me? Where are you going to end up? What is the point of a journey if you have no destination? If you are out traveling, but you have no destination, okay? There's a word we call this. It starts with a W. You are wandering. You're not journeying. You are wandering, meaning... You're lost. You are right on the edge of lost. You think you have an idea what you're doing, but you really have no clue at all. You're just kind of, I think we're going here. I think we're going here. I think we're going to go over here. And you're just wandering aimlessly, right? It's almost like being adrift in the ocean. You are moving. You're not in the same spot you were, but you have no idea or control on where you're going to end up. So here's that question again. If you are on a journey, if God is involved, if there's any purpose whatsoever to your life, what's the destination? Where is God taking you to? We have two extremes. Here's the first extreme. That everything in life is meaningless. It is all the cause of some kind of sequence of chain reactions. Whether it was uh, electrons or neurons, whether it's the release of energy, no matter what it was, there is some kind of randomness to everything in your life. There's really no purpose. The only thing for you to do with your life is just to enjoy the ride. Amen? Just enjoy it, man. Have a good time. What's the other extreme? Some church around here, right? The other extreme is what? Everything is predetermined, right? The underwear you wear tomorrow morning has already been decided by the cosmos. Amen? If you choose Coke or sweet tea, by the way... We did go to Florida, and I had my first, like, southerner moment. <laughs> I tried to order gravy, and they said, we don't serve gravy. <laughs> I felt like a true southerner. I was like, I am officially southern. Amen. <laughs> gravy? I bet you want sweet tea, don't you? you know? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I'll take sweet tea and gravy. Whether or not you have that Coke or that sweet tea, it's already been decided. This is the other extreme, right? It has already been determined. You really have no value whatsoever because everything in your life is predetermined. You are just being pulled through with these strings. Everything around you has already been decided. You have no actual free will. 
all you have the ability to do is you are strapped in the roller coaster seat, and your only purpose in life is just to enjoy the ride. Because it's going to take you the same place no matter what you do. You have no choice. It's only destiny or fate is the word to use it, right? Here are these two extremes we have, right? There's no purpose or meaning. There's no connection. Everything is random or there is this absolute fixed. Everything is concrete. Everything's been poured already. Is there anything in the middle? Balance. Wise sensei say, young grasshopper, find balance, right? We're not going to break open all the theology of this today, um, but I'll just say this, right? There is, a, there is an ability to find an in-between in this, to imagine that there are two agents at work, right? That there is both the freedom of the individual and the freedom of everything else that's been put in motion, whether you want to call that the cosmos, the universe, or as we call it, God, right? And there are two forces that are at work. But either way, if we, if we are on a journey, if we have any say in this whatsoever, unless everything in this world is meaningless, in which case, I don't know why you're wasting time at church, then where are we heading? If I make these decisions, if I choose to hear God, or if I try to live my life according to the Scriptures, if I try to, to, to sense the leading of God and obey Him, if I try to work together with God, where is God going to take me? What is the destination for my life? What is the, the purpose, the meaning of my life? I would love to do an entire series on this. Uh, <laughs> I'm just afraid it would bore all of us. But there are levels of human living, right? There are levels of being alive. Okay, The most foundational human existence is this, to make sure that your outward life, the outward things are taken care of. To make sure that you have shelter, you have clothing, you have safety. Make sure no one's trying to harm you, right? To find some kind of pleasure, whether it's in food or in a mate or having children, right? And then to make sure that all your stuffs, whether it's your clothes, your house, your car, your, your, your kids and your spouses, to make sure all those things are safe. But is there anything more to being human, to being alive, than this outward life? Is there anything more to that? And so the Scriptures, the Bible gives us a, a very clear track, if you would, a trajectory, a destination of what it looks like to be fully human, to be fully alive with God. And that ultimate example of what we see, of course, is in Christ. Christ gives us the ultimate picture of what it is to be fully alive, to be fully human. And so we see someone who doesn't live his life for the outward things, who seemingly does not put any energy into trying to make sure that he has a, a great house and car and he's got the family, he's got the, he's got the job lined up. He doesn't put any effort into self-defense. When they come to harm him, he doesn't even stop them. He seems to be living for a different kind of existence. There's a different place, and we call this the invisible self, right? The inner life. It's the stuff that you can't touch, right? What's interesting is that in the last hundred years, science has begun to see some of these things. Psychology, sociology, they begin to do studies on human beings, and they found that there's a higher level of human living to be fully alive. For a human being to be fully happy, content, 
peaceful and experiencing joy, there is something that they have to attain to. Their life has to be about something that's not tangible. Self-actualization, right? They have to find a place where life has more meaning than what you can see, smell, and touch. See, this is what the church is valuable for. The church has tried to become a place to, to teach you how to have a bigger house and to be richer and be more safe and kind of put fences around your life. But the church was never meant for that. The church was meant to take you one place, to that next stage of living with God, to where your life is not about the outward things. Your life is about the inward things. They did these studies on these humans, and they wanted to find out which of these people was the most happy. Like, what is the common denominator that makes these people happy? So is it people who had status? Was it people who had money? Was it people who had success? Was it people who had nothing? What was it that made these people the happiest? And they began to find a very interesting trend. There was one commonality. It wasn't money. It wasn't success. It wasn't uh, pain. It wasn't any of these things. The one commonality was this. When they found human beings who had poured their lives into, into honing, crafting is the word for that, to honing their ability to do one thing. So, say it was sewing, or playing the piano, or math. Who's ever experienced the highest form of human pleasure doing mathematical equations? Please put your hand down. <laughs> Gracious. Oh. Woo! The prayer line starts after service, brother. I expect to see you right up front, right? What they found was this. People who had spent their entire life throwing it into one thing, honing something, becoming, excelling something. Now, it wasn't to be successful at it. Like, it wasn't people, so like the piano player. It wasn't someone who was just trying to make money playing piano. They found that there is a place in the human brain that when someone becomes so connected to, to, to this thing, right, we call it a gifting, right? And so the, they would attach all these different sensors to someone who, who was playing the piano, right? And this concert pianist, they would go from a place of thinking about what they're doing to where all of a sudden it was almost as if their brain would turn off and they would begin to play and do things without even thinking about it. That, this, this person who would knit their entire life would get to a place of knitting where they didn't have to think about it anymore. It just became this weird connection to the thing. It began to kind of flow from a different place. It wasn't coming from here anymore. It was coming from somewhere else. And they would just... And in this place of knitting, they, the brain would begin to send off all of these signs of joy and peace and pleasure. It didn't matter what was going on around them. When they would just sit down and knit, they would just find this joy. Fishermen. When they, they would study someone who was out there just kind of casting. They weren't catching anything. It wasn't a competition or a race or a, a tournament. They're just out there just doing this thing that they have become so connected to, they don't have to think about it anymore. Sports athletes. When they would get off the field, they were miserable. 
When they would go home to their millions of dollars and their mansions and their cars, they were miserable. But when they would get on that field, on that court, and when they would get to that one moment where they weren't thinking about the crowd or about the play, and they're just doing what they have been doing their entire lives, they would experience joy. The ultimate place of human living is when you become connected to what your gift is. Human beings are created in the image of our Creator. There's one thing you have to understand about our Creator. In His very nature, He is a a giving being. In the deepest part of this God, which we are still learning about, there's something in this God, in this this being, that desires to constantly be taking from inside of, of Himself and putting it out. Sharing, giving, right? So, for example... Did you know that the universe is still expanding? Did you guys know that? Would you like to know how fast? (laughs) Right now, the universe is expanding at a rate 156,585 miles an hour. No. That is the rate that new life is being created. That new realities, that new... Laws of physics even are being just completely created at that rate in every direction that you can imagine. It's not just one direction. In all directions, life is being created and birthed at that rate. 157,000 miles an hour. What in the world? Our story of creation in Genesis starts with this narrative where God, in the first image of who God is, God is not alone. God is not even one part. God has this other self, and He is giving, even to Himself. The first thing we ever see of God is not a God who demands or asks a single thing. It's a God who is giving, pouring out, creating these things. What value do we really have to a, a being that's able to create life at 157,000 miles an hour? What in the world? And so you're crafted in this similar way. If your life right now, if your life right now is still being lived in a self-serving or self-centered way, you haven't even found your deepest passion and purpose yet. Now, I'm not saying selfish, self-centered, just meaning if the majority of your energy is being put out every single day and it centers on you and your household. It's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's a healthy thing. We have to start there. But if your life is centered on you, you are already in a place of unhappiness. If your life is centered on putting your energy, your gifting, into you, into things that will benefit you, you have not found that deepest place of happiness yet. The deepest form of happiness you will ever find is when you come to a place to know who you are, to know what your gift is, and to live in a way that you are offering your gift to the world around you. Now, I'm using some very broad language right now. If I wanted to dress it up in churchy's language, I could, but I want you to kind of go beyond the church ideas. I'm not just saying that you're called to be a missionary. I'm not just saying there's pastors in this house. I'm not talking about that. This is much bigger than that. 
There are giftings inside of each one of you. There's something in you that is unique to you. There's something in you that you have to offer to people around you. And until you come to a place in your life where your life is primarily about taking that gift in you and offering it to people outside of you, you will not find that happiness you're looking for. (laughs) I was watching a Netflix documentary, which are my favorite, by the way, about cricket. Not, Not like a cricket, but like the game. Have you guys ever watched cricket before? Come on, don't laugh at me. The second largest sport on the planet. Did you even know that? The second largest sport. They're trying right now. They're trying to overtake soccer as the largest sport played on the planet Earth. Whoa! It's a ridiculous game, by the way. I don't really... I'm like six episodes in, like, which was like hours of watching TV, and I'm still trying to figure out the rules. I'm like, what's that? But it's okay. It's fun to learn. And the one thing I love about this, right, like they're going in, and so it's, it's an international sport. This team they're focusing on, there's players from Britain, from Bangladesh, from India, from Australia, and, they're, and they're, like, their backgrounds couldn't be more different, but there's this commonality. Everything in their life is a mess. All of these players, coaches, owners, everything in their life is a mess, but when they get on that field, there's joy there. Now, again, in the moments when they're not thinking about pressure or I want to win the game, when they're just playing, the only places of joy that they experience. One of the places that I actually enjoy the most is preaching. It comes very easy and natural. I'm not saying I'm great at it. I'm saying I enjoy doing it. So (laughs) if you don't like it, too bad. I'm having fun. On my bad days, I have to think about it. I have to think about what I'm doing. Once or twice every year, there might be a day where I don't have to think about a thing. It just, I just get lost in it. And again, it's just preaching. But for me personally, I find joy in it. Every once in a while. Sometimes it's hard work, right? And hopefully your gift is more interesting than preaching, right? But there are giftings in each person that when you tap into that just a little bit, you begin to feel that sense Ah, this is what I enjoy. And often the problems that most of us find is that we can't build a life around giving our gift, right? We have to end up having to build our life around other things. But what I'm here to remind you is this. If your life is built around you, if your gift is being used right now to take care of this, if your gift is not being used right now to freely begin to to encourage and lift up the people around you, you have not experienced the level of happiness, of joy that you could. So in the Scriptures, one of the examples I want to go to for us is 40. Now, I've talked about this a few times, right? 40 is the, it's the number in the Scriptures that stands for preparation. When you see 40, it's not about how long they were in the desert or not. It's not about how many days... Jesus was being tempted in the desert. It doesn't have anything to do with it. No one cares about how long it really was. 40 is a way of saying this person went all the way through the preparation. Meaning, this person went all the way through the journey from point A through the journey to point B. This person went from where they started to their destiny. Hear me. You are supposed to be going through preparation. 
And there is supposed to be a destination, a destiny for you. Now, because I'm not someone who believes everything is chance, and I definitely don't believe that everything has been predetermined, you have the ability to get lost along the way. Israel is the most beautiful picture of the ability to screw it up, to miss the point. They believed the entire journey in the desert was just about getting to the promised land. They never realized what the purpose was. I'll explain it to you. Let's go back to Isaiah. I want to start in verse 2. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword, and the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a, a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. That's a very important line. I'll come back to that. Verse 4. <clears throat> but I, Israel said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Just pause right there. I have labored in vain. One of the things that happens for us in this journey from A to B is that we lose our sight on the destination. Why am I even going through this? What is the point? What am I doing here? And what, what I've experienced in, in my personal uh, journey is that when you lose sight of why you're there, you instantly begin to lose your strength as well. There's something about understanding, about having a purpose, about knowing what the value is in going through preparation that gives you energy, that gives you strength. And when you lose sight of that, everything else begins to crumble. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am a honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob. Just stop for a second. Hear what's being said. For you to get to the promised land, for you to get all of God's people in one place is too small of a gift. Hear me. You're missing it. That is too small of a gift. I will make you a light for the Gentiles. It gets bigger. That my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Even now, when most of you kind of hear stories about the Old Testament, even now when I read the Old Testament, I sometimes go back to that default. The entire point was God wanted to take care of Israel. He wanted to get them to their place and bless them and take care of them. No, you're, oh, you've always been missing the point. The gift of Israel was never just to be Israel. The gift of Israel was to be a light to the world. The purpose of God in Israel was never to get Israel to the promised land and then be done with it. Amen. The goal was that the entire world would see this little people of no value, of no strength, of no wealth and number, this lost tribe of people that no one even cares about, and that they would see a God take them to a hill, if you would, the promised land, and that he would make them a people that lived differently. Where all the other tribes would sacrifice their children, this tribe would not sacrifice their children. Where all the other tribes would kill all their enemies, this tribe would allow that all the enemies to find ways to be brought into Israel, which is interesting language in there. We'll open that some other day. 
where all the other tribes and enemies would all have to fight with the might of their sword, but this tribe would be able to have the Ark of the Covenant, meaning the hand of God would be upon them. And that this light, that people would say there's something different, and that this would be the gift of Israel, that they would be the example of what it looks like to live with God. And because of that, God was going to gather all the earth, all the nations, all the people, to himself. You still don't understand how important your gift is. When you look at yourself and you see what's in you, the words of God to you are still the same. You see your gift too small. It is too small a thing for you to be wasted just at your work. As, uh, if you have a family, if you have children, if you have a spouse, as amazing of a gift as that is, that is only an, a practice. You will learn to hone your gift, to grow into being healthy and offering yourself in that safe space. But your family is not the end of your gift. When I talk to people, often the happiest moments they experience in their life is with their family, family time. And our generation has been very good at understanding the value of family time. And it is such a gift, and it's such a value. I've made room in my life for my wife and my family, and even myself, to not be at church on certain Sundays. Amen. But that is not the end. That's just practice. I want you to understand something. Me being a pastor is not the end of my gift. It's not because I'm so amazing. This is practice for me. It's not because you are not good enough. It's not because I am so amazing and great. But it's because the neighbor that I've had for seven years and have never talked to has such a value in the eyes of God. And that one day I'm going to be willing to walk over there with my gift and talk to that neighbor in a way that I talk to you. But I'm not ready yet. I'll talk to you guys all day long. To interrupt someone's supper or whatever they're doing and to bother them gives me the hot sweats, man. Freaks me out. Freaks me out. To be at Starbucks or the coffee shop and to feel that leading of God, to connect to another person and to begin to, to meet their needs in any way that I could, I'm not ready for that yet. Every once in a while, on a good day, I will. I'm not ready yet. To live away where every single place I walk into, whether it's Walmart or the airplane, and I am just walls down ready to offer the gift in me to anyone who wants it. Not force it, not be that guy who's like, hey, look how great I am. Would you like me to preach to you on the flight? Can you imagine that? Would that not be a nightmare? Gracious. But to live in a way with walls down where I'm offering myself to the people around me. This is what you're called to. Your family, your work, this church, this is a safe place to practice. This is where we learn who we are. This is where we figure out what our gift is. This is where we hone how to offer our gift to people. This is what this is about. You are not called to spend your gift in Grace Church alone. I'm telling you right now, I have a huge passion in me to help you find the gift God's put in you and help you grow into it. And I would love to let you pour that gift into this body. 
But it's my job also to make sure this is not the end of the place you pour out your gift. This is not the end. This is practice. Amen? On this journey, and again, I'd love to do a series on this. We don't have time for it. But our classes that we have, our spiritual formation classes, this is what we do in these classes. We see this, this process in Israel in the desert, and we see this process in Christ in his maturation to adulthood. We see that before our gift is ever ready to come outside of us, to surface, almost like to bloom, right? The work has to be done inward first. You have to be willing to let God take you inward before you're ever ready to offer the gift of God outward. And this is a crucial thing. So many of us are hungry to find out what our purpose is, what our gift is. And we're so hungry to get going and offer it, but we're not ready to do the inward work yet. This, that, that journey, that process, right? The going from A to B. Understanding the value of that desert is what we have to do. Without that preparation, we are not ready yet. And so before you, you are ever ready to offer that gift, understand this, you are going to have to do the hard work of going inward. We're going to do the hard work of allowing God to help us find who we really are without our gifting. Who am I without my gift? Who am I without all of my defense mechanism? Who am I without my successes or my failures? Who am I without my strengths or my weaknesses? Who am I in the eyes of God? And once we find this, then we do the work of developing our gift. But don't miss me here. Your life is about your gift. After you find what it is to be loved and to be known without your gift, your life, your energy, your time will be about offering yourself to the world. Would you guys stand with me this morning? So as we close this morning, and I want to invite the prayer team to come on up too. And the process of finding ourselves, the process of the preparation, it's the 40. The question for you is this, what does your 40 look like? What does your preparation look like in your life? The primary purpose of the church is to be the first place that you go through your 40, your preparation. The Apostle Paul talks about this and says, the entire church exists for one thing, to mature everyone up into fullness. The interesting part on that is if we ever do our job and we ever mature everyone to fullness, guess what? We don't need this anymore. <laughs> But I don't think we're done yet. <laughs> We've still got some maturing to go, right? This, this church has, has all sorts of purposes and values. But the first job of this church is to play a primary role in being that 40 for you. To prepare you. To go inward. To find yourself. And then in finding yourself, connecting to God. And in God, finding your gift. But I want you to be excited about this part, though. When you find yourself in God, when you find your gift, when you begin to live a life of offering that specialness inside of you to others, that's where that ultimate level of peace, happiness, and joy are. When you get to that place in life, there is no more, I want this and I want more, that whole thing goes away. That needing to be more successful or have more or gather this or have this person think this of me, that all ends. This is that place of finding the inner peace. Father, we come to you this morning. 
in your deepest nature, you are giving. And you have placed a gift in each of us that needs to be given, that's crying to be let out, that's clawing out, that wants to be given and offered to others. I ask, Lord, that you would begin by your Spirit to lead us inward, to find out who we are, peel off all the layers of protection and safety, all the defense mechanisms, all the things in this life that we've kind of tried to comfort ourselves with, and that we would find out who we are in you. And I ask the Lord that right now that there would be a, a return to that journey, that they would be refocused on the destination, that you are trying to prepare them right now in their life to find their gift and to offer it. And I ask the Lord that you would begin to allow this church, these families, these individuals, to discover what you've placed in them that the world so greatly needs. Take us on that journey, Father. So after I close, I just want to invite you guys. If there's anyone here who's just kind of been rustling, you've lost sight of what, is there any purpose in what's going on? The frustrations, the pain we're dealing with, is there any point to any of this? Uh, you've been overwhelmed. You've lost strength. You find you feel exhausted. Prayer team's here for you. If you have been hungry to find out what is it that God has put inside of me, what kind of gift could I possibly have? We'd like to start that here. Father, I just pray, Lord, over every family here, protection and safety this week. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon us, that you are near to us. Help us be awake every day, every moment to your nearness. In Jesus' name.